It's December 1992 at NBC headquarters at Rockefeller Center. NBC CEO Bob Wright is riding a slow elevator to David Letterman's office on the 14th floor. Wright is on a mission to correct an epic blunder that could cost NBC millions. Back in May, Jay Leno officially took over the host chair of The Tonight Show. But no one at the network bothered to even run this by David Letterman. He's not just devastated. He's incensed. And open to offers from competing networks. And they are pouring in, including a very rich one from CBS. Now, it falls to Wright to keep both Leno and Letterman in the fold. If Letterman leaves, CBS will put him on at 11.30, head-to-head against Leno. And that could be a potential ratings disaster for NBC. Letterman watches wordlessly as Wright walks in and sits on the couch. Wright gets to the point immediately. Look, David, I know you're unhappy with the situation here. I can't blame you. But I don't want you to leave. Is there anything we can do to keep you at NBC? Unlike most of the network executives, Letterman respects Wright. Letterman leans forward on the couch and looks him in the eye. I don't want to mislead you, Bob, but I don't think there is. I'd like to stay, but your 11.30 show is taken. Wright frowns and looks down at his hands. He sees Letterman as the key to the network's late-night programming, the only thing keeping NBC alive. From news to primetime... Nothing else is doing well. I can offer you other things. Primetime specials, financial incentives. You're part of the NBC family, and we want you at 1230. I appreciate that, Bob, really. But I don't want primetime. I want 1130. I put a lot of thought into this. You know, I can tailor the show and be more traditional, from the monologue to the guests. I will do that, and I want to do that. Letterman could not be more sincere. He's imagined replacing Johnny Carson since he was a kid in Indiana. But now, despite his wounded pride and the reality that taking over tonight would mean taking over from Jay Leno, not Carson, Letterman still can't let go of his dream. I understand what you're saying, David. And I know you can do a brilliant 1130 show, no question in my mind. If it was up to me alone, I'd tell you what you want to hear. But sitting here right now, at this particular moment, I can't promise you The Tonight Show. They talk for another hour. As the meeting wraps up, Letterman feels positive. He feels like the network president is sincere. Wright is 100% behind Letterman in everything he's saying. And most importantly, Wright seems to be hedging his bets. He's not giving an absolute no to Letterman. As far as Letterman is concerned, there's still hope. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. 
Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amic slash you know. Now, since you're a podcast listener, I'm sure you know all about how audio just does something to the imagination. So I'm really excited to tell you about how Audible's brand new exclusive thrillers are brought to life with that kind of captivating sound design, the eerie soundscapes and dynamic performances. There's one that caught my eye. I should say it caught my ear. It's an Audible original called Sleeping Dogs Lie by Samantha Downey. It details the aftermath of a local businessman's murder in Marin County, California, a once sleepy suburb now part of the bustling Silicon Valley area. And as an Audible member, well, you get to keep one title a month from their entire catalog, including bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Head on over to audible.com slash BW or text BW to 500-500. That's audible.com slash BW or text BW to 500-500 and try out Audible free for 30 days. From Wondery, I'm David Brown and this is Business Wars. In the last episode, David Letterman assumed The Tonight Show was his. Instead, he was flabbergasted when NBC replaced Johnny Carson with Jay Leno. Now, with Letterman potentially leaving for CBS, NBC has a new plan. Consider reversing their decision and giving Tonight to Letterman after all. But now there's a fresh new host emerging who threatens the big three networks. This is episode four a darker night ahead. It's December 23, 1992, at NBC Studios in Burbank, California. Jay Leno is pissed. He's got an interview scheduled with the New York Times TV reporter Bill Carter, and he's ready to spill his guts. Leno knows about the meeting Bob Wright had with Letterman. He's heard rumors that Wright and other New York-based network executives want to replace him with Letterman. He makes his case to the reporter. Am I crazy? The ratings are going up, the advertisers are happy, and so are the affiliates. But no one at NBC will tell me my job is safe. What'll you do if they give the show to Dave? It's not an idle question. NBC executives have considered flipping the hosts, giving tonight to Letterman and bumping Leno to the late-night slot. But Leno makes clear he's not interested in that arrangement. I'll leave NBC immediately. Look, would I go to CBS if they ask me? <laughs> of course. I'm not going to stay at NBC and do some little happy hour from Omaha at 1230. Keeping Leno where he is would save the network a lot of money. If NBC breaks his Tonight Show deal, his contract stipulates a $10 million payout. Plus, to keep Letterman they'd also have to match his reported $16 million a year offer from CBS. It would be a costly mess. And the deadline is two weeks away. So where does all this leave you? Leno barely pauses. Well, here's what it looks like to me. NBC is like a guy with two girlfriends who doesn't know which one he's going to marry on January 15th. And the longer you wait, the madder they both get. Leno wants to shake up NBC's top-tier executives. He's desperate to know what their strategy is. 
And that's how he ends up in Warren Littlefield's closet, eavesdropping on the NBC brass and furiously taking notes. Leno can't resist tipping his hand. The night after his closet caper, Leno giddily calls Littlefield. Listen, Warren, I really hope GE protects its nuclear secrets better than their late-night secrets. Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to, Jay. Leno gives him verbatim quotes about who wants him gone from tonight and who wants Letterman in. He tosses out supposedly secret salary numbers and ratings figures. Littlefield is in shock. Jesus, Jay. I don't know where you're getting your information, but please, don't say anything to anyone, all right? Just stay calm. Please, remember, I'm on your side. (laughs) Sure, Warren. Just remember, I'm Italian. I know how to get information. Bye. Leno's mission is accomplished. He's rattled Littlefield big time. But it's not enough to stop Bob Wright's agenda. NBC doesn't wait until January 15th to leave Leno at the altar. Bob Wright tells his inner executive circle he's going to make an offer to Letterman. It arrives on January 8th. The deal includes a bump in salary, a four-year contract, and the prize Letterman's dreamed about for years, hosting The Tonight Show. But there's a catch. The show won't actually change hands until May of the following year, a full 17 months away. That's when Leno's contract is up. That way, NBC avoids paying him the $10 million. And if he quits before then, he forfeits the money. Letterman is thrilled. So thrilled that he doesn't seem to grasp what's really being offered. His agent, Mike Ovitz, breaks it down for his starry-eyed client. CBS is offering far better money, at least $4 million more per year, plus ownership of his show and programming rights in the 12.30 time slot. All things NBC won't match. Leno's ratings have risen by close to 5 million viewers. If Letterman takes over The Tonight Show and doesn't beat that immediately, he'll be seen as a failure. Not to mention looking like the bad guy for edging out his old pal Leno. And what if over the next year and a half, Leno's show really catches on? NBC will want to keep Leno on and bail out of the deal with Letterman. And to top it all off, by that point, he won't really be inheriting The Tonight Show. It'll be The Jay Leno Show. Ovitz recommends that Letterman take the CBS offer. It's not just that it's a better deal. It's that what NBC is offering is potentially a bad deal. Letterman spends the weekend calling trusted friends and industry insiders looking for advice. The consensus is clear. Go with CBS. Intellectually, it all makes sense. But emotionally, Letterman is still bewitched by the idea of sitting behind the Tonight Show desk. His head and his heart just can't make peace. And he only has a week to find an answer. There's only one opinion left that really matters to him. So he decides to ask for advice from the one man who knows what he's going through. It's Sunday night, January 10th, 1993. 
David Letterman sits alone in his Connecticut living room. He lights a cigar to ease his anxiety, but it doesn't help at all. He's waiting for a call from the man he reveres above all others, Johnny Carson. Well, David, I've thought about your situation. You know, you need to do what's best for your career. Go with what's in your heart. God, I wish it was that simple, Johnny, but in this case, those are two distinct things, you know. Then you have to make a choice. Letterman closes his eyes and rubs his temples. Uh, what would you do, Johnny? I'd probably walk. I'm not telling you to do that, but if I were treated that way, I'd walk. Letterman takes Carson's frank assessment to heart. By the time he hangs up, his decision is clear. It's January 14, 1993 at CBS Studios in New York City. Thanks to you folks for that stirring ovation. Uh, as some of you may know, uh, for the last year and a half, uh, I've, I've kind of been interested in uh, doing a show a little earlier than the one I'm doing now. And uh, that reality has come to pass uh, here today. And I'm, I'm happy because of that reason but what really makes me ultimately very happy and very satisfied is the fact that I, I get to come here and, and do it at, at CBS. And I just want to, at this point, thank these people for certainly their patience. And also, I would like to thank them for their generosity because... Uh, <laughs> at last, Letterman's move is final and Leno's job is secure. Within hours of Letterman's press conference, Leno holds his own conference at a beachfront hotel in Santa Monica, roaring into the room on a massive Harley-Davidson hog. He's clearly happy with the outcome, though he can't resist a final jab at the employer who kept him guessing. Welcome to NBC. It stands for Never Believe Your Contract. As the dust settles, NBC is left with yet another problem what to do with Letterman's late-night host position once he officially leaves on June 25th. At Leno's press conference, NBC Entertainment President Warren Littlefield mentions that Saturday Night Live creator Lorne Michaels, one of the most respected names in television comedy history, will be on board to oversee development of the 1230 show. NBC promises its affiliates it will name a host by April, so Michaels starts looking. It's an arduous process. Virtually all candidates are from the stand-up world, something Michaels wants to avoid. He wants a broadcaster, someone whose skills go beyond rattling off one-liners and sarcastic insults, someone with unique charm and charisma that translates on screen, someone who can talk, and more importantly, someone who can listen. One name keeps coming to mind a talented writer and former SNL staffer who also had great success at The Simpsons. He's smart, funny, and engaging. People like him. But the question is whether Warren Littlefield will like him, too. It's March 1993 at Warren Littlefield's office at NBC Studios in Burbank. Littlefield is frowning, trying to place the name Lorne Michaels has just suggested as the new host for Late Night. 
Conan O'Brien? Does he have any hosting or performing experience? No, but that's a good thing. Littlefield raises an eyebrow. He has the ultimate respect for Michaels, who has a brilliant track record of discovering talent. But still, he's dubious. Listen, Warren, Conan is fresh and unpredictable. He's young and he can appeal to the under-35 audience that Arsenio grabbed. And that's exactly who we want to be watching late night. I don't care if baby boomers don't get him. Post-baby boomers will. Littlefield weighs his options. NBC has no other viable names in place to host, and the affiliates are expecting an answer in just a few weeks. If Michaels believes in O'Brien, a 29-year-old untested talent, well, that's a strong endorsement. All right, Lord. Let's give him a try. On April 13th, Conan gets his audition. In front of an audience of friends in NBC Brass, he stands on The Tonight Show stage and does a monologue. He's obviously nervous and his jokes are far from hilarious. But he's got a certain charm. When Conan gets behind the desk for a practice interview with actress Mimi Rogers, he warms to the situation and actually gets off one line that kills. When Rogers reveals she posed for Playboy, but in a classy way, Conan's response is perfect. You mean you wore a top hat and were reading The New Yorker? Lauren Michaels likes what he sees. Sure, Conan's green, but he projects a goofy, natural warmth. And he'll get better with experience. Warren Littlefield is concerned about replacing David Letterman with someone who has literally zero experience. But with the firm backing of Michaels and other NBC executives, and the ticking clock, he relents. On April 26, 1993, Leno introduces this gangly, grinning, ginger-haired young man to the world of late-night television. How old are you? What, you're, you're 29? I just turned 30, actually. Well, that's pretty good. I was yes. still at Chuckles when I was 30, so that's good. <laughs> See, I'm a geek. Are you excited about this? Is it fun? Uh, yeah, well, I found out about eight hours ago. I was, like, eating a big sandwich, and they called me on the phone and said, I had this job. This is seriously true. And I'm thrilled. Yeah. I mean, this is its something I've wanted to do all my life. I'm ecstatic. And, like, so. right here tonight is, like, your first time on TV. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, yeah. Dave Letterman is a legend here at NBC, and if there's anything that's fun to do, it's replacing <laughs> legends at NBC. And later that night, David Letterman welcomes his NBC successor in true Letterman style. <sighs> I, I heard the new guy, the only thing I do know about Conan O'Brien, I heard he killed a guy. That's what no! I no, you're making that up. I heard he killed a guy. No, that's all. You I don't know. You're making that up. Late Night with Conan O'Brien debuts on September 13th, 1993. All right. Well, I've been in show business now 45 seconds, and this is the nicest reception I ever had. (laughs) Thank you very much. The initial reviews are mixed. The Washington Post calls the show an hour of aimless dawdle masquerading as a TV program. The New York Times is a bit gentler. Late Night survived its debut with more than enough offbeat charm to merit further sampling. The L.A. Times headline says it all. Conan, he's off to a shaky start. But the newspaper later hedges, saying it's still too early to count him out. Over on CBS, The Late Show with David Letterman is a hit. 
After barely a month on the air, the network's investment is paying off. Advertisers and affiliates love it. Good thing, too, the tab is considerable. Between the salaries of Letterman and his staff, negotiation rights and renovations to the Ed Sullivan Theater, this is costing CBS around $140 million up front. As Letterman had guaranteed to NBC's Bob Wright, his new show can function well at 11.30. The reviews are solid and glowing. Playboy dubs Letterman the new Lord of Late Night, and People magazine proclaims him the rightful heir to Johnny Carson. It's the first late-night show to beat tonight's ratings. And as Letterman's numbers soar, Leno's numbers grow positively anemic. Letterman represents the cutting edge, while Leno represents predictability. And it gets worse. Even ABC's news program Nightline is killing tonight. And the late show buries Arsenio once and for all. CBS affiliates rushed to drop the struggling program in favor of Letterman. In May of 94, Arsenio is canceled for good. Meanwhile, Late Night becomes a smorgasbord of choices. There's Whoopi Goldberg, Rush Limbaugh, Chevy Chase, Dennis Miller, and Gary Shandling. And they're just a few of the new talk contenders. Now, NBC's once powerful post-primetime lineup is struggling to stay afloat. Leno's weak resurrection attempt of the battered Tonight Show is sinking fast. And Conan O'Brien seems like he's figuring out his job on a painful nightly basis. NBC looks like it's at risk of losing its late night stake once and for all. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business. It's your life. Whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. See, State Farm agents are small business owners, too. They know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's July 10th, 1995, at NBC Studios in Burbank. The Tonight Show studio audience is on pins and needles. Around the country, millions of viewers are glued to their screens, thanks to Leno's first guest of the night, actor Hugh Grant. Two weeks ago, Grant was arrested for receiving oral sex from a prostitute in a car in Los Angeles. The bust was publicized around the world. Leno knows what he's got, and he plays it perfectly. Let me start with question number one. (laughs) What the hell were you thinking? In the mid-90s, Hugh Grant is one of the biggest rising stars on the planet, and his romantic partner is the glamorous actor and model Liz Hurley. Grant's actions seem both heartless 
and reckless. To rehabilitate his image, Grant begins with a mea culpa. As I say, I, I did, I've done an abominable thing, and, uh, and she's, she's been amazing about it. And uh, um, contrary to what I read in the paper today, um, she's, you know, being very supportive, and we're going to try and work it out. The appearance boosts The Tonight Show ratings to number one. It's a major coup after desperately trailing Letterman's show for almost two years. Leno's grip on the lead position in Late Night will remain in place for the next 14 years. David Letterman has always suffered from a deeply ingrained fear of failure. The millions he's making, far more than Leno, and critical acclaim don't seem to matter. His critiques of virtually every aspect of the show, including himself, are legendary. Things are never good enough. By the mid-90s, straining under the knowledge that Leno is beating him, Letterman grows crankier and bitter, and it's showing up on air. As Jay Leno maintains his chipper, amiable vibe, Letterman's curdling presence begins to alienate his audience, and the numbers suffer in turn. The Late Show drops to second and then third place. It will never again reach the top of the heap. By July 1996, through sheer determination and maturing talent, Conan O'Brien becomes a success story. O'Brien was maligned, nearly written off and almost canceled during his debut three years ago. But now, he's finally making NBC happy. Critics who called for his head now praise his skills. In July, the Washington Post TV critic Tom Shales, once a leading Conan hater, writes a review reversing his stance. The piece declares that Conan has gone through one of the most amazing transformations in television history, from annoying nuisance to prize package. The ratings are healthy and solid. It seems clear that O'Brien's days of humiliating ignominy are over. And it seems that the networks agree. So much so that by 2001, with a year left on his late-night contract, competing offers come in. Fox woos him with a $21 million a year contract. It's crazy money. But NBC counters with a raise, an extended contract, and a tantalizing but open-ended offer. If Leno leaves through his own volition or an act of God, Conan will get The Tonight Show. Conan is driven by the same burning desire as Letterman and Leno. He wants Johnny's old job. Though NBC isn't committing to a specific time frame for a Tonight Show handover, it's good enough for him. In February 2002, he accepts. In December 2003, Leno tells NBC he wants to extend his contract by five years. If he's not getting Letterman-level money... He at least wants job security. NBC is amenable to that. Leno's increased his numbers big time. The Tonight Show is riding high at number one. But by sheer accident, the extension's end date coincides with the close of Conan's contract. It would be disastrous for NBC if both stars were to leave simultaneously. With Fox's wildly lucrative offer to Conan valid indefinitely, and the star beginning to get antsy about his future at NBC, the network needs to secure Conan's services. They make a solid offer, 
If he's willing to stay with Late Night until Leno's contract is up, The Tonight Show will be his. It's February 2004 at the Carlisle Hotel Bar in Manhattan. Conan O'Brien sinks into a leather banquette in a dark corner of the upscale bar. He scopes out the room furtively. Martinis arrive. He lowers his voice. Mark, I need to know something. Can you keep a secret? NBC publicist Mark Lipis leans in. He's a devout Conan believer, thrilled to be invited for drinks with the boss. Of course, Conan, what's up? I'm getting the Tonight Show. Lipis's jaw drops. He thought they were celebrating the show's decade anniversary or something. Jesus, that's fantastic, but I, but I don't get it. Is Leno walking? No, he's getting a new deal extending till 2008. Then it's mine. He agreed to that? He doesn't actually know about it yet, so this has to remain top secret, okay? We're going to need a code word from now on whenever we refer to this. Let's see. Um, how about Anderson 360? <laughs> Perfect. Here's to you, Conan. The pair raise their glasses. And here's to Anderson 360. Conan may be thrilled with what NBC is dangling in front of him. But no matter what the network is promising, the deal hinges on one thing. How Leno will react. He's already had The Tonight Show ripped out from under him once. To fulfill the bargain to Conan, NBC needs Leno out again. And it won't be a request. It'll be a demand. On our next and final episode, Jay Leno is in for a rough ride from NBC that will find him scrambling to stay alive in late night. Conan gets his dream job, but it turns into a nightmare, and the late-night wars come to their conclusion as tastes and technology redefine the bloody battlefield forever. Hey, Prime members, you can binge every episode of Business Wars ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. From Wondery, this is Episode 5 of Late Night Wars for Business Wars. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said, those scenes are dramatizations, but they are based on historical research. And sources for this story include Bill Carter's books, The Late Shift and The War for Late Night, as well as Jason Zinneman's Letterman, The Last Giant of Late Night, and King of Late Night by Lawrence Lemer. I'm your host, David Brown. Peter Gilstrap wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Voice acting by Michelle Philippi. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our associate producer is Kate Young. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery.
It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This mother lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the wayback machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts